Hey, can I tell you a secret? The secret to getting a great shave without any nicks, cuts, or irritation isn't three or four blades, a soap strip, or a swivel head. It's just supporting the blade. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just supporting the blade. Don't let it flex or bend. That's the secret to limiting shaving irritation. At Henson Shaving, we use our 20 years of aerospace manufacturing to keep the blade from moving. It's not the coolest answer, but it's the right one. To learn more and to get 100 blades for free, go to hensonshaving.com holiday. Hey, can I tell you a secret? The secret to getting a great shave without any nicks, cuts, or irritation isn't three or four blades, a soap strip, or a swivel head. It's just supporting the blade. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just supporting the blade. Don't let it flex or bend. That's the secret to limiting shaving irritation. At Henson Shaving, we use our 20 years of aerospace manufacturing to keep the blade from moving. It's not the coolest answer, but it's the right one. To learn more and to get 100 blades for free, go to hensonshaving.com holiday. This is an official download from thecustardtv.com. It's the Custard TV podcast. It's the same three people as you heard last week. So if you liked last week or you were unimpressed by last week, hold on. It's us again. I'm Luke. I run thecustardtv.com. We live here on the Custard TV podcast where you can find all of our podcasts on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and all that lot. I'm joined as this, as last week by Matt in the north. Hey up. Bringing back the catchphrase, I approve. And Dawn yeah. in the Scottish area. Okay, the new. <laughs> What's new, sorry? <laughs> oh. <laughs> we're doing regional bits. Regional oh, bits okay. is what Regi- we're doing. I she's, she's got something new and I didn't. I wanted new? to know more. No, nothing new. Dawn was telling me while we were waiting for Matt, who was having some PC problems, that um, her mum turned 80 this week and has so far had only one of her two parties. She turns 80 on Wednesday, so she had a party yesterday for her church friends. And then mm. on Saturday coming, she's having another party for family friends. When she invited yeah. 100 people and she said she hopes they don't all turn up. So that's good. Wow. There's obviously thought about that afterwards and there's people she definitely doesn't want to see. And... <laughs> I wonder who those people are. You said to me you've all got to get up and perform. My mum, and obviously this is where I get it from, is that she loves a bit of the spotlight and she likes to do a turn and uh, read a poem or whatever. So we're all, we've are all we all got to um, get up and do a little turn. But it was my grandparents' 50th anniversary in 1985. All the grandchildren did a little thing. You know, somebody did magic tricks and somebody played the keyboard and everything. But we were children then. Now, now we've got to do it as adults. Matt, this sounds interesting and perhaps anecdotal for the podcast. Do you think she could square it for 102 people to possibly turn up? Cause well, I don't know. I when is it? Saturday coming, 4pm. Yeah, we, we could do that. Yeah, Bring your bottle. Do you know what you're going to do to impress her? I do. <laughs> Go on, tell us what you're going to do. I'm going to be doing my own version of... Um, be our guest from Beauty and the Beast, except I've rewritten the words to be uh, have a nap, because my mum is infamous in that she claims the secret to her long and happy life is that she has at least one nap a day, possibly two. I tell you what, so do I, to be fair. <laughs> a lot of it while I'm setting up shows on this podcast. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'd You're like, like you Billy to... Crystal at the beginning of the Oscars. Yeah. <laughs> Very yes. much so. As long as 
on Billy Crystal and not Ricky Gervais, it'll be fine. Oh. <laughs> Depends if the crowd turn on you and you start to get really nasty about them. <laughs> this could be a podcast. Don't you have to be some sort of whiz kid to do those? Uh, definitely not. Anyone with a computer can make one. This is the Custard TV Podcast. Yes, that would entertain me briefly. From thecustardtv.com. on my social media after, oh. afterwards and then you and can enjoy people it. find you where can people find you on twitter dawn you can find me at dawn glenn two and it's a glenn with one n and i'm going out on a limb and saying you in the six days since we last spoke to you you haven't recorded another of your podcasts no that's correct i haven't i haven't even finished editing the one i was editing last <laughs> are you gonna have time to do yours if we keep getting you on here <laughs> to me. It's alright. It's, it's university time again. My co-presenter's back on her masters, so we're alright. So, as I say, the website you can hear us on is thecustardtv.com. As we kind of promoted last week, if you want to look at what's coming, if you're one of those people who doesn't know what's on where and when, uh, our upcoming TV page tells you all the important dates for some new and exciting shows and some returning ones as well as we edge closer to uh, the end of the year. Right then, on the show this week, we have a new ITV crime drama of sorts. It's a, based on true events and it came out of nowhere. It's called The Walk-In, stars Stephen Graham from the acclaimed writer Jeff Pope. We have the A-Word spin-off of a fashion um, Ralph and Katie uh, going on the iPlayer on Wednesday as a six-part box set, but airing in double bills on Wednesday nights at 9pm. Then we have The Bear, which is this critically acclaimed US drama that is going to all be there, I believe, on Wednesday on Disney+. And finally, Robert Popper of Friday Night Dinner fame has written another sitcom, which I believe, at time of uh, release, is already on all four and will be on uh, yeah. Channel 4 on Thursday or Wednesday, I can't remember which. No, no, Thursday, no, it's not till the 13th, Luke. Oh, crikey.com. Let's do, um, before Dawn's mum turns 81, let's do <laughs> the podcast this week, beginning on ITV with their new drama from Jeff Pope, The Walk-In. Yeah, so The Walk-In stars um, Stephen Graham as Matthew Collins. He um, used to be part of the BMP when he was younger, but uh, subsequently left. He turned informer and then uh, trained as a journalist. He now works as part of an organisation called Hope Not Hate. Uh, the drama starts in 2015. Um, Matthew's job is is to sort of seek out these uh, extreme right-wing groups. Uh, he does this by um, having someone infiltrate the group with a mole or a walk-in. That's where the title comes from. Matthew learns of a new right-wing group called National Action, uh, which favours intellectualism over violence. His sort of story in the first episode is trying to find a new walk-in to infiltrate National Action. Alongside Matthew's story, we meet Robbie, who's a young man in his early 20s. He's aimless, working a string of sort of low-paid jobs in a warehouse, installing um, TV aerials, that sort of thing. Through Robbie's eyes, we see how easy it is to get recruited into these organisations, such as National Action. After witnessing several incidents, which he believes is unfair, Robbie goes along to a National Action rally and is gradually recruited into their ranks. 
the first episode culminates by depicting the real-life murder of the MP Joe Cox, um, whose murder may well have had something to do with someone from inside the ranks of National Action. Luke, what did you make of this? Well, it's Jeff Pope, it's Stephen Graham, two noteworthy names. I didn't know a lot about it. It came out of nowhere. I thought it was instantly compelling, really, really interesting. They explained how Robbie felt disenfranchised and was lonely. He'd lost his father at a young age. As you say, he was aimless, working all these dead-end jobs where he didn't really have a friendship group or anyone to bounce his ideas off or anyone to talk to, really. So I think they handled that really well. And then I loved seeing Stephen Graham side of the story where he's bettered his life, he's doing good work, but he's still very much the enemy of his people and they keep having to move house. Every time his, his wife, played by Leanne Best, and their children settle somewhere, they have to move because someone's just standing outside the house being threatening. I, I thought it was a really compelling drama that that i'm gonna watch for the next five weeks you know itv we give them a lot of stick i give them a lot of stick for making the same thing over and over again the same sort of show the same cast the same forgettable thrillers and yet when they get the right people together and they have a interesting story to tell then i think that, that this is an example of something they do really, really well. I thought it was up there with some of the best of these, like Appropriate Adult. You know, that's always a favourite. That's sort of my first introduction to Jeff Pope as a sort of true crime writer. I think that was great. And this this was up there for me. I thought it, it spelled out everybody really well. It didn't rush through the premise. It was eerie hearing about Joe Cox and seeing that depiction. I should say for anybody worried, you don't see her shooting at all but it feels very very recent to be touching on that but I think they handled it with the best intentions and I think everybody comes out of it the best they can I, th- I thought it was really well done and really well depicted and I suppose as well like we were talking about last week you know with this England that you know it's again depicting recent events but I think this is a story don't really know like you know we remember joe cox's murder but perhaps not what was bubbling beneath it and obviously we have a lot of this coming out of the brexit vote Mm. that is sort of the the start isn't it of the show we see all the sort of the tensions that that raised up really as well and this story that is being told is about the sort of the conspiracy to murder another mp and i I did read behind it and they had interviews with the real matthew and the real robbie so this is a story that's sort of ongoing and we're only getting the start of the building blocks really to what actually happens and who becomes the walk-in i think you can sort of read between the lines to what Robbie's story will be going forward. Mm. Dawn, what about you? What did, what did you make of this? True crime isn't really my normal cup of tea, but I thought this was such a new and interesting angle to take. And as you say, a story we don't know. As uh, Luke said, the, the way they built up Robbie, it, it shows how easy it is for these young men to get caught up in it. Men who feel that something has gone wrong in their life and they need someone to blame and these more radicalized people give them it in it you know in their hands here you go i thought dean charles chapman who plays jack renshaw who's one of the sort of heads of the national action uh may recognize him as tommen from game of thrones when he was like 15 or whatever he was supposed to be 
I thought he was so good. He's the manipulative one. You know, he has reasons for why he wants people to be radicalised. And, you know, that he is more cunning, but in the end, not <laughs> because he's in the natural act. I thought that was a really interesting building up of the characters. And Stephen Graham, obviously Stephen Graham is going to be amazing, but he had this calmness to him. And, you know, obviously his family has to keep moving. There's threats against his children, his wife. And yet he just is so calm and steadfast in what he is doing. And he knows it's good. I also thought it was good we saw flashes to his past. Uh, and that it hasn't gone away. He still has guilt for what he had done in his past, which I think lesser dramas might have just glazed over that and just said, you know, this is who he is now. He's a good person. But I thought it's very interesting because he showed the path that these young men can take if they have a good influence, like hope, not hate. If they manage to get out of it, they can have a future. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. Totally compelling and definitely would want to watch the rest of it. And it's sort of a different performance from Stephen Graham, I think, as well, isn't it? I think you don't often see him play the intellectual, which he does here. I think, you know, he's often the common man, whether it be, you know, like we had him as the prison guard last year in Time and, you know, other roles where he's played very much the working class. But I I can't Mm. think of any... Luke, can you go back and... I was just trying to think. No, I can't. The annals of... In another time he would have been the walk-in he would have been the angry man Mm. that they would have convinced to walk in and i think dom's right he has a real calmness to him that character feels very lived in he is wearing his bruises on him really he is tarnished by his past he doesn't believe that anymore he's trying to do his best to turn it around but he can't escape it i just relaxed instantly because you just it just felt like Everybody knows what they're doing here. It's all in good hands. It's all with good intentions. It could have been quite easy and a lesser drama would have painted Billy and and his friends as as a villain or just nasty. And they don't, like we said, they go to great lengths to explain the reasons why this young lad feels the way he does. And there is a degree of empathy, I felt, towards him. You know, he's got no Mm. one in his life. He's lost his father. He hasn't got a a male role model. He hasn't got anyone to bounce off of. He's going from dead-end job to dead-end job. His mother doesn't really think much of him because he hasn't achieved a great deal. And these people offer him a lifeline, even though in the very beginning we see he doesn't really believe it, but he just wants, as so many of these people do, a place to belong and I think they they gave both Stephen Graham's side and his side equal weight and I felt they did that perfectly. I thought it was really interesting as well how they brought up about the police and the government you know stepping up and saying we banned national action and Mm. how At Henson, we're looking forward to the holidays, and that means more time in the kitchen. Now, imagine your trusty kitchen knife had a wobbly handle. You'd be nervous. Well, the same is true in shaving. Most razors on the market today don't support the blades well enough, allowing them to flex and bend. This is a source of razor burn. At Henson, we used our 20 years of aerospace manufacturing to solve this problem, supporting the blade so you can use it confidently. To learn more and to get 100 blades for free, go to hensonshaving.com holiday completely ineffectual that was and actually how it made Stephen Graham's character job harder. That was something I'd never really thought about because obviously the government and the police have to be seen to be doing something 
But are these people who are on the ground level in it, they know better what works? And I thought that was a, a really interesting part of it that I hadn't thought about before. For me as well, it does evoke memories of This Is England. Obviously, we yeah. have got Stephen Graham here. Yeah. I don't think you've ever watched the film, have you, Luke? You've only seen the series. No, I've only watched the series. The film is, is obviously Stephen Graham as that, you know, angry racist recruiting a young boy into the team. And obviously, Andrew Ellis here as well. He played Robbie, was in This Is England as, as Gadget, wasn't he? People. But ign- ignorant in, like, he, as Dawn said, you know, he picks up things that people say, like, you know, his, his friend, you know, where they were fitting the, the aerial saying about the grooming gangs, and then he's Googling about the grooming gangs and mm. feeling unfair that, that the colleagues at the, at the warehouse get to go out and pray and, you know, he's still working, you know, the, the little things he sees as unfair and that builds up and builds up, and I think it was a clever way of telling that story and you know you do when you watch documentaries about these groups i remember bbc3 did one years ago and it is very similar it is these disenfranchised young men who are just looking to belong and i think jeff pope has done really well in sort of telling that in an intelligent way and obviously we we can see that robbie will probably be the one to be that person that matthew is looking for to infiltrate the gang and be the walk-in and it's something that I wasn't expecting. I think, as you said, Luke, from an ITV drama, it is very different. This feels very relevant as well. You know, it's yeah. not a cut-out-and-paste investigation into something no. and, and it all gets solved within two hours and we've got a haunted lead detective with a secret past and all of that. This is obviously based on a true story because it's Jeff Pope, but done with humanity and, and some brilliant performances as well. And it was interesting how, it, as you say, Luke impacted on his life and his his wife and the kids having to move homes and move schools every time he felt that there was a threat on his life. Even though he is doing this this good thing, he's being punished for it by the people who he's let, who the life he's left behind. Quiet heroism, you know, these people who do good in life that we will probably most of the time never ever hear about. And yet he is putting not just his own life, but his family's life at risk. And I thought they did that brilliantly, that he just accepts, as a matter of fact, this is just part of what I do. And I believe in it so much. I'm willing Mm. to go along with it. It was well depicted that he's humble, but not goody two-shoes kind of humble. He's just, this is just what I do. And, you know, compared to the inside man uh, last week, with Stanley Tucci was supposed to saying, you know, I'm doing this to pay back for all the wrong I've done. And it felt totally, just oh didn't my. feel realistic. Whereas this feels very real of, of, as a motivation. The best drama is always incredibly stripped back. There may have been music and stuff, but I didn't notice it because I was so engaged in the characters and in the world. And that's the kind of drama that really stays with you, I think. The walk-in on Monday nights for the next five weeks, I believe it's also going... All up onto the ITV yeah, hub. Yeah, be one of those people. I can't remember the last ITV drama that we praised so universally, but it is something that I think is an important watch. It's a relevant watch. It feels like a contemporary British drama, which is always something I I enjoy. So yeah, the walk in, nine o'clock Mondays, or all on the ITV hub now. Should you want to binge it. Another show that is going all up as a box set this time on the BBC iPlayer. This is called Ralph and Katie. And it is taking two 
semi-side minor characters from the BBC drama The A Word from Peter Bowker and giving them their own series. Leon Harrop, who plays Ralph, has Down Syndrome. The only reoccurring character from The A Word is his mother, played by Pookie Quinzel. Ralph has married Katie, played by Sarah Gordy, who has a disability that I don't think they fully explain the levels of. These characters in the A-Word were side characters. Pookie Kinzel's character had a relationship with Christopher Eccleston's Morris. He was the grandfather of Joe, the boy with autism at the centre of the A-Word, and he took on Ralph as an apprentice at their firm. And they had a good sort of banter together. If Ralph had any issues, then he'd go over to Christopher Eccleston and he'd fight his battles because... Ralph's mother was very protective of her son. She didn't want him mocked. She didn't want people to think he was incapable of things. She was against the marriage of Ralph and Katie when they first got together because she didn't feel her son was emotionally mature enough to get married. He hadn't experienced enough of the world. And when I say the world, I don't mean like when people say you've not travelled. She literally means... He's not had a, a, a job of sorts. He's not lived on his own. He's not lived with another person. They were side characters and almost comedic characters running alongside the wider story of the A-word, which was about the family played by Lee Ingleby and Morven Christie who get the diagnosis that their son, who is very into music and quite socially awkward with his peers, has been diagnosed with autism. And that ran for three years. And Ralph's part got bigger and Pookie Quinzel's character married Christopher Eccleston at the end so they were then a little family unit and so this series Ralph and Katie it's six episodes half hour apiece it focuses on the first year of them as a married couple they fire their previous he's not a carer he's a caseworker he sort of helps them manage the everyday life and, and navigate life as a married couple living on their own that is Dylan Brady, who plays Danny, and Emma, played by Jamie Marie Leary, who is Katie's friend. She's at the centre of this first episode because she's dumped by her boyfriend and goes to live with Ralph and Katie. And Ralph finds it really annoying that she, she's sort of eating into their couple time. They've got Craig Cash living next door as their neighbour who's looking on out, out at them is very accepting of their situation. And Pookie Quinzel's character, Louise, is still very protective. She doesn't agree that they should have got rid of their initial carer and gone for somebody younger. And so it's very low stakes. It's a comedy drama. It's gentle. It's sweet. And we watched the second episode as well for the purpose of the podcast because they're going to be airing in double bills. So the second one centres around a fundraiser for a new piano uh, for the choir to sing at and also Ralph discovering that maybe Katie's ex has sent her a Valentine's card. Um, what I think works best here, there is a moment in the second episode where he finds out who this Valentine's card is from. As I say, it's very low stakes and I won't spoil it here, but he doesn't need to worry about Katie and her previous relationships but he goes over to his mum and he says Katie lived a life before me I didn't and that's down to you from not taking me to any classes to meet any other people like me to meet any other girls that I might have fallen in love with he's jealous not only of her having a boyfriend prior but of 
having a life before him that, that he didn't have and his mother louise brushes that off and says most people aren't married by now and you've got a great life and it really hit home that this boy who was sheltered for his own good reasons in a way is regretting the sheltered life that he had and holds a tiny bit of resentment to his mother for not letting him live a freer life and experience more even if that meant him getting bullied or looked down upon or mocked in any way for his his down syndrome or the way he looks at the world the first episode is written by peter bowker who wrote the a word but behind the scenes he has a lot of people with varying disabilities including Genevieve Barr who is deaf and, and wrote um, something with Jack Thorne didn't Ra- she Matt? We, oh, Ralph um, and Katie not Ralph yeah. and Katie the other thing Barbara and yeah. Alan but Barbara and Alan the <laughs> other two names yeah names. And, uh, <laughs> yeah he's got Lizzie Watson Amy Trigg and Tom Wentworth so they've all contributed and, and to try and make this feel like it isn't it's written from someone with a disability's point of view it's very gentle it's very low stakes there are bits of it that i had real issue with craig cash as brian is only a minor part he's only he's only the neighbor who comes in and says a few lines here and there he's playing it very broad almost as if he's from last of the summer wine that's how it felt to me Mm, yeah no i got that yeah He's in a different show. He's being very broad. And I don't know what's happened to him because if you go back to the early royal families and early doors, he's very relaxed, very calm, very naturalistic portrayal. And maybe they wanted this from him, but he doesn't seem to be able to... He is doing the Gogglebox narration, I think, when he actually has to. (laughs) Yeah, I reckon that's what it is. I also have a bigger issue with... Danny and Emma. The nicest way of putting it is that those two characters are very wet. They're not very interesting. The two of them, I just, I don't buy. I mean, I understand that they, you know, if they had a a disciplinarian carer or PA working with them, that that might alienate younger viewers and that character could come off as a bit of a, you know, bossing them around or stopping them doing things. So they've gone with a younger a younger male role model for Ralph and this friend in Emma for Katie. But those two characters are so dull. I think what it's lacking for me is an anchor, a central character for them to bounce off that feels authoritative in a way because the, the best scenes between the two were always with Christopher Eccleston involved as this sort of fatherly figure who Ralph would bounce off ideas from because he wanted to share it with another man and not with his mum who would just shield him from the world so it lacks any real edge edge yeah there's no edge there's no grounding to it it's very 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 low stakes it's a really tricky one for me to review because it's not the sort of show we review often on the podcast it's very sweet it's very gentle it'll find an audience it's good that the bbc have made this sort of show but i just wish the characters around Leon Harrop and Sarah Gordy had a bit more about them. And Leon Harrop as Ralph is very good at the sarcastic wink or there's a dance sequence in episode two that's very good. I think there's warmth between the two central characters. Everyone else around them just feels incredibly wet. And they all went to school together as well, didn't they? Which yeah. is a bit weird. Like, they all know each other from school. Especially because she's Scottish. I didn't understand that. <laughs> well, we allow you to come over. Yeah, do you, you, you don't have to stay in Scotland. You don't have to Dawn, be there. No. Did you realise that? I'm sorry, Dawn. 
I just realised you thought you had to stack. No, come over. Hastings Hall's not there anymore, Dawn. You can. <laughs> can you swim? No. I think to me it's odd that this is on at nine o'clock. This feels to me that it should be on earlier for a family yes. audience. Yes. This is very much yes. a family drama. I know there was a couple of swears in there, but apart from that, and it a was all straw. okay. <laughs> But it was all like quite sanitized, quite, you know, as you say, no one had an edge. Everyone was really nice. I know, Luke, I can't remember what you were talking about a few weeks ago where, like you said, that all the characters were quite harsh. This is very much the antithesis of that. And this is everyone is lovely, gets along. It's all about mainly Ralph learning how to be in a relationship. Katie seems absolutely fine. It's all it feels like Ralph with Katie rather Ralph and Katie. Do you know what I mean? It seems like Ralph Ralph Leaks World is what it should have been called. (laughs) I didn't have an issue with it, but it just it felt this needed to be on earlier for the I think the the key audiences, families, young teens, people. I think, you know, this is something for families to watch together. It has got a very important message about inclusivity. And as you say, I think that speech, Ralph, <laughs> that speech from Ralph sort of sums it up quite well. I agree about Craig Cash. He's sort of playing like later day from the Royal Family, isn't he? Where he just became this absolute idiot. I mean, it looks lovely as well. As I said, it's all set in the Lake District, but it's it's not something that really, I think, makes an impact, is it? It's all just no. nice people being nice to each other in a nice location. For a more vitriolic take on why a Scottish person was allowed in. <laughs> Let's go to our Scottish person. <laughs> I don't see accents, Dawn. <laughs> you know, yeah, they say hidden disabilities. I don't see accents. I think I need to do some sensitivity training yeah. and, and come back. Perhaps if you could I... meet other Scottish people. Here in Key West, we were out before it was in. In this open and inclusive paradise, you can be yourself, make new friends, and savor our live and let live vibe. With LGBTQ plus friendly accommodations, our legendary nightlife, and year round activities and events, it's always a good time to come as you are. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. That would help. Assimilate yourself in the Scottish community. (laughs) something very clever about it in the sense of there is this idea that people with special needs and disabilities tend to always go oh aren't they cute and aren't they lovely and don't think of them as real people and don't think of them as people who have sex and adult problems and I thought that the show kind of reflected that in the sense of it looks like something from CBBC it's all very glowy and warm and and nicey and then you have you know, as you say, penis straws, you have a non-gender conforming character. So it kind of takes the rug out from under the, the people's feet that are expecting something super twee. But then it is very gentle on top of that. 
So I think it's a, a, a mix. Maybe they could have gone harder onto the hard side, as you say, bringing a, a more uh, antagonist, because I just felt that, that Ralph's mother was chopped off at the knees almost, because she came in and was very spiky, and then suddenly she was lovely and warm, and I, I wanted her to remain. Like, as you say, they need someone stronger to bounce off, to sort of highlight their characters, because everybody around them is so nice and lovely. You don't get that chance for them to show their strength of character. As well as the, the scene you mentioned, my favourite scene was the dance scene because it was a spur-of-the-moment dance and it was the only time I've ever seen that on TV where it really looked like it was spur-of-the-moment, where one character mm. is just being like, what are you doing now? Okay, I'll do that. That was very realistic. But yeah, I think, it, it, as you say, it's very pleasant, it's very lovely, and I did laugh out loud. There were a few laughs and... and uh, Ralph is very good at playing an exasperated husband. You know, he could have been Gavin from Gavin and Stacey in quite a lot of scenes, rolling his eyes at what his wife is, is doing. There is an element of a real traditional sitcom in it as well. I think it is a bit of just a confused sort of yes. genre, isn't it? It, do, it yes. just sort of is a little bit ill-defined, possibly. I think it is good to represent, as you say, the relationship between these two people with additional needs and how similar they are. I think that's the thing. They have those problems as well. But maybe the problems could be a little bit deeper. I think maybe that's what you needed a little bit more than like a Valentine's card or her friend staying too long in the house. Maybe there yeah. needed to be a bit more for you. Now, I think the challenges need to be more, you know, because we knew that the Valentine's card wasn't from an ex-lover. It was from... I thought it might have been from, like, a family member. Yeah. It's about Ralph understanding what it's like to be in a relationship, but the hurdles he has to jump are quite minuscule. And there's no sort of overarching story either, I suppose, is the no. other thing. So you can just watch no. one episode dip in and out, and I think that's the other thing. It's, it's sort of sitcom format, like Dawn said, but it's still presenting itself as, like, a 9pm offering from BBC it One. Was... So. And it'll probably find more of an audience on the iPlayer anyway, I should suspect. The other thing that struck me in just in these first two was you've got a diverse writing staff with various different needs, writing the stories so they feel authentic. And I was a tiny bit disappointed in these first two that, like you say, the world is very small and, and I would have liked to have seen the challenges that they face as a disabled couple. And I don't feel that those first two episodes we saw highlighted that particularly well but all six episodes will be on the iPlayer by the time you listen to this on Wednesday on uh, the BBC at nine o'clock that's Ralph and Katie we'd love to hear from you drop us an email custard TV reviews at gmail.com Next up is a show that aired in June in the US to massive critical acclaim and we've had to wait nearly another six months for, for it to land on Disney Plus on Wednesday. Six months? June? I don't... Where, where, where are we? We're, we're, we're just... It Four months, give or take <laughs> another two, six months. Um, so, The Bear, this was on FX on Hulu. It is now finally arrived on Disney Plus for us. As a box set, as a binge, there are eight episodes in total. And it follows a guy called Kami, 
played by a shameless American shameless actor Jeremy Allen White, who is this master chef in New York who is forced to return to his family's sandwich shop in Chicago following the tragic suicide of his brother who ran the place. Uh, it begins with him hiring a girl called Sydney who has got a great culinary CV. She's from the Culinary Institute of America. She wants to work there because it was her father's favourite place. It's very much a family unit. You see them in the kitchen. You see them struggling to make ends meet and Kami trying to work out how his brother was running this business while still grieving for him or not properly grieving at, at all and being sort of demoralised by the training he's had in New York up to this point and not getting enough sleep and struggling with alcohol and all the rest of it. But it, it's a really intense show that puts you in the kitchen of this sort of basic sandwich shop that is highly regarded in the neighbourhood and you just see them sweating and swearing and cooking. It's another hangout show where you just hang out with these characters. It is a breathless ride. It takes you in the second you start on it. You are in the middle of it and it is, as you say, intense. Um, it, it, it feels like you are in that kitchen yeah. and you don't know what's happening. It, you know, there are people shouting about food, there are people shouting, hands, family, I don't know, behind. corner. Yeah, behind. <laughs> I thought it doesn't spoon feed you. Uh, oh, dear, another week off. <laughs> thought I'd try. Um, it doesn't explain all the terms that they use. And it doesn't stop and explain every pet character and every situation. No. You just have to hold on and, and enjoy the ride and you'll figure it out as you go along. And I think that's really engaging and really keeps you absolutely engrossed in it the whole time because you can't like and you'll miss something. Mm. Um, and the shots of food, it's very fast-paced, but then you get these lingering uh, shots of somebody rubbing stuff into beef and it's like, oh, it will make you hungry. <laughs> oh my God. How am I going to edit that around that? <laughs> Do we need to put a little red E? At the Nobody isolate that clip, please, for your own pleasure. <laughs> it is very much food porn. And uh, I, I, I really liked it. I definitely want to see where it goes and the, the story yeah. of, of his brother and the, the family dynamic there was a little we see Carmi's reading a text message from his sister and she, it mm -hmm. says something about Alcoholics Anonymous and that uh, as a family a family group so I think obviously the whole family has an issue and, and they're not dealing with it and it, it is a great insight into what it is to work in a kitchen it's a bit Hell's Kitcheny. He has to clean the the whole kitchen because it's disgusting. Like when Gordon Ramsay goes in and he finds old stuff in the fridge, and it has an element of okay, this is what happens if Gordon Ramsay actually was working there permanently. I tell you what, it reminded me of. This is a stretch, but it did remind me of The Wire, and I'll tell you why because I've got more to that sentence, and it's coming. When I watched The Wire. I can't imagine somebody yelling cut, somebody yelling action, somebody choreographing the scenes, somebody learning those lines. It just felt like somebody pointed a camera at the sidewalks in Baltimore 
and captured it. This felt very much the same. I couldn't imagine somebody saying, right, cut there, or you drop that, or sorry, can you go back, that line was wrong. Because it just felt like somebody sticking you in a kitchen. I just was in that kitchen. This, just like Dawn says, just throws you straight in. Ao Adebri, who plays Sydney, the, the young girl who comes in at the start of the episode, her journey throughout the first six episodes that I've seen is wonderful. She's a very grounded person. There is a scene, I think, in the second or third episode where she's had enough with them all teasing her. She tries to grab a tub of gravy or sauce or something and she's on her tiptoes trying to grab it and not spill it. And that is one of the most tense scenes I've seen <laughs> on TV this year. Just a woman trying to grab a big pot of gravy or sauce or whatever and trying not to spill it. it. It doesn't stop. It's so intense. You've got this grief at the centre of it. You've got this family who are constantly yelling at each other. And you've got the heat of the kitchen. It is a rare beast of a completely immersive TV show. And I loved it so much. Um, I did a bit of a dawn this week and, and watched it all. <laughs> I adored this so much. I mean, I love this ensemble. This, you know, yeah. it's basically Kami's come in to... A, a place where they've they've got into a bit of a slump, really. You know, Richie, who's this family friend that they call cousin, but he's not a cousin. He's like, you're destroying the ecosystem. We do everything a certain way here. Do the family pasta, which actually comes... The, the family pasta thing comes back in. Episode 8 has such a great final reveal, which which left me with a bit of a tear in my eye. The camera work in this is so intense. Some of the close-ups that you see, utter food porn throughout this, but also mental anguish that you get from being in those kitchens. Luke, you mentioned, we, you sort of said about his prior life when you see, is that the second or third episode with Joel McHale? Dawn, did you, did you, have you seen that yet, Joel McHale's? Uh... When he, when you see Carmi in his kitchen in he's, New York, yeah, getting harassed about that, yeah, he's got yeah. to repeat back to him. Yeah, yeah, so that's Joel McHale playing that character, right. who's so good at but, it. Yeah, yeah, it, and him having those nightmares, and it's the editing in this is fantastic as well. Some of the like the dream sequences or the the the, the sort of the trauma that they've been through. I mean, I absolutely adored this. The music choices as well, and he, uh, reading about it, the creator, is it Christopher Storer? Yeah. He sort of personally picked all the music that's in it, There's and you can tell. There's one. There's not like, because they, they have like In Too Deep from Genesis. They have Help Me Ronda from the Beach Boys. It's, it's mm. kind of a weird, eclectic iTunes playlist of songs that you think, how do these all connect? But it all works. It's very bare bones in terms of dialogue, and I think that's why we notice them so much streaming, like, behind and hands and all of that. Yeah. And, you know, there's where he comes first in and gets them to call each other chef. And, and that one Tina, who I absolutely... Jeff all the time. I love Tina so much. The relationship she has with Sydney as it goes on, you know, she's very protective of, of that kitchen because she's, we assume, been there the longest. But gradually... Carmi and, and Sydney, to a lesser extent, they win over everyone in that kitchen. You know, you've got Marcus, who was the pastry chef making bread, and he gets inspired by Carmi's presence to start doing cakes and then tries to perfect donuts and yeah. and other things in there as well. You just get to know all these other characters. I mean, I love seeing Oliver Platt pop up for a couple of He's episodes. Great. 
Uncle Cicero. And when we see uh, John Bernthal pop up in flashbacks as Michael as well, and, uh, you know, that's quite poignant when you see that scene with the siblings and, and Richie all together. That It's just, it is really good, and I was really take, taken by it. And I think it helps that it's like, you know, half hours or slightly, you know, that sort of length of show that it doesn't feel like if you watch another one that you're going to have to spend that much time with it. And I really, really enjoyed this. I think it, it's something that, you know, unless you are us or invented the internet like Dawn did, that you you may miss it. You know, you may it might be something that comes on Disney Plus and you might not know about. And and you know, if you are listening to this, please please watch it because it might not sound like oh, you know, something about a sandwich shop in Chicago, but much more than that, it's about trauma, it's about addiction. A lot of it is about bereavement and grief and getting on with things and, and you know, bringing your personal problems to work. I mean, the character of Richie you really detest to start off with, but his arc in this, um, and I think it's the sixth episode, isn't it, Luke, where you get a lot about Richie and, and his yeah. sort of trying to sort of come to terms with all the changes that Carmi's making because he very much feels like it's his place just definitely recommend. And and it is funny in places too, it really is, despite mm. all the intensity. The scene where all the uh, people are, are queuing up in, in uh, costumes to, as from a video game <laughs> and they all start fighting each other was hilarious. I, th- I thought, you know, it does have real moments of, of laugh out loud as well as this intensity and, and sadness at the heart of it. So I, I think, yeah, it's amazing. Definitely a... a I can see why it's physically Yeah, it just feels so unique and different. I just want to be in that kitchen with them. It's so good. And Ao Adebri, who is, I came to learn afterwards, as Sydney is actually in her in her own life a comedy writer. Worked on uh, what we do in the shadows. Wrote a lot of the episodes of that, and is a stand-up and a genuine performance from her. It it doesn't feel like a TV performance. It feels like someone is capturing this documentary-type performance. It's well, just so look, cleverly done. Looking at Christopher Storer's sort of past, he's done a lot of directing of stand-up comedy, hasn't he, and stand-up comedy specials. So that might be, you know, part of the style is that sort of intimacy rather than, you know, like the, the, the TV sitcom, you know, mindset. Yeah. You also take it for granted that these actors know what they're doing with food and they actually had to go and work in Michelin restaurants to learn their craft and when you're watching it you're going well obviously Jeremy Allen White from Shameless on Showtime can cook this food you don't question it for a second mm. it's completely and he is I mean he's absolutely excellent and I think what everyone in this everyone in this cast has but I think he sort of typifies it is having these really sort of expressive faces. These are characters who are repressing emotions and you see in their faces. I mean, there's that episode where I'm going back to Tina now, where she's really sort of stressing herself about cooking these potatoes and trying to impress Sydney. And you just see it in her face time and time again that she puts a bit of salt in. It's not good enough. And and she feels like Sydney is going to berate her. And then she just gets that good job, chef. And you just see the smile on her face. And none of that is said in dialogue, but you get that. And, you know, all the the pain and everything that, that Carmi's going through. And, and, you know, Jeremy Allen White is, is great at, at showing that. And, I, I you know, it's just, it, it's, ex, you know, every level. 
from the the camera work to the writing to the acting to the music to the editing everything about this is just sort of done to perfection really and and you know please go in after eating lunch because it will make you so so hungry okay the bear is all on disney plus i do think on wednesday i do think fx are playing with this comedy drama thing and just because it's a drama it doesn't need to be an hour they've got the new show from the americans creators joe weisberg and joel fields this show steve corral and um donald gleason donald gleason is this serial killer who kidnaps and keeps hostage steve corral in his basement to help him overcome his urge to kill that is one of my favorite shows of the year and they're only half hours as well and it is no less engrossing because you have fewer times in fact it makes it even more special i think and the fact that these are mainly 20 minutes and the last one is 47 minutes by then you've earned your time it's just interesting that they are playing with the streaming format can always play with time and yeah i loved it the bear all on disney plus now we should end the podcast there do we need to really talk about the final show do we yeah we should we've all watched it we've given it time so we may as well the thing is it's so great for me as the editor of this podcast to hear matt so passionate about a show i can't remember the last time he basically said to people just go watch it because it's so good so i as a friend of matt's occasionally I do like, I do like to hear when he loves shows because he always when, did love shows. When, as a friend of Matt's, when he agrees with me, is what Luke yes. wants to say. Yeah, and the wider world. It's just lovely to hear him being so passionate and enthused by a show because it's been a long time. Let's do the. Maybe I'll then. do that with I Hate You as well. You don't know. Maybe I watched all of that as well. Okay, the new comedy from Robert Popper, which I think is going to be all on all four by the time you hear this, but not. Yeah. It's all gone on all four already. It's gone. It okay. went on on Thursday, but as I say, it's not airing on Channel Four till Thursday the thirteenth, I believe, in double bills at ten o'clock. Okay. Yeah, it like it um it, uh, the the weird puppet thing that they've got on that they've done that with that as well. They put that on all four and then are airing it on Friday nights after I literally just told you so. It's a sitcom about two flatmates, Melissa Saint as Becca and uh, Charlie, played by Tanya Reynolds. They have sort of off-the-wall escapades. This first episode is about uh, initially Becca dating a man who's in his 70s, primarily because he sort of can teach her things that she doesn't already know and she has conversations on the dates they have that she doesn't have with with men her own age. Charlie then gets jealous and tries to find an old man of her own to date. They then sort of realise maybe we shouldn't be dating these septuagenarians um, because they both run into similar issues at the same time and decide to sort of double dump them. Uh, I mean, the second episode, it centred around this um, eccentric lord who had strange relationships with flies. So it's very... You know, the, the, again, like I suppose Ralph and Katie, there wasn't any overarching storyline from episode to episode, really. Not a lot of plot, heavy on sort of gags. Luke, I think I know what you think of this, but you can tell me anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm about 10, 12, 13, 14 years old for the, too old for this, I think. I think I struggle with this sort of 
quippy dialogue like everything was a smart retort every you know there wasn't a, a moment where they weren't trying to hammer home gags they got this weird opening sequence with a talking horse i don't really know what that's got to do with anything i don't really understand the title because they don't seem to hate each other they seem to quite like each other and it's being like flatmates. oh i hate you like you know like tomb of affection i think i think that's what they were going for you know this could be a female peep show except the writing's not there the characters aren't there the performances aren't there so it's what were your opinions on friday night dinner the the, the nation sl- slowly took that to heart didn't they and i i felt like that was the same plot every week not not only because they were going over to their parents for friday night dinner but it was the same gags of the two older brothers regressing to childhood and playing plural pranks on each other and that neighbour going round with his dog and being inappropriate and awkward. I, I didn't get on with it past the first series. I wasn't a massive fan of Friday Night Dinner. There were certain people who warmed to it, I think, who sort of saw themselves in the characters a little bit and had that, you know, relationship with their families where they regressed when they went back to have dinner with them, went back, you know, with their siblings. That had, I think at least sort of like the grounding presence of Tasman Gregg and um, Paul, Ritter. Paul Ritter and Mark Heap. You know, you haven't really got a lot of adult characters here. Even the people they work for are quite childish. I just thought everything was just awful. It, oh, it was like a, a visual headache, I felt. You know, you said, oh, they seem to like each other. Well, not very much. As, as best friends, they're just constantly digging at each other and, Everything is so tired. The whole, oh, let's date an old man. And then, oh, the old men are awful because they're forgetful and say the same thing over and over. You're just, oh, grown. In the second episode, all the stuff with the Lord is all about a, a letter by Einstein. And at one point, Charlie says, uh, yeah, it's by Einstein, the father of modern physics. And, and Becca says, why does everybody call him the father of modern physics? Charlie says. Because he's the father of modern physics. And that was a funny exchange, apparently. So, <laughs> And you knew that as soon as they got that letter and taken it to the coffee shop, yeah. that they would spill coffee over it. And it's yeah. just like that, that, that sort of where I finished with it, I was like, I'll give the second episode. They don't explain like the relationship between these characters. I mean, we said that, you remember in Crossfire where they didn't explain... They need yeah. to explain at least a little bit the friend, you know, how these people knew each other. I I think they were going for more like of a surreal tone here. But even like you know, as I said last week, I watched quite a lot of Toast of London with my friend, and that's very much a surreal show. It sort of straddles somewhere in in the mid ground between trying to be like a realistic thing and more of an off the wall thing, and it just sort of fails on both grounds. The um sporting characters, you know, their bosses. They- She's a plant and he's Bob Oxygen and he has... That's uh, very Toast to London as well, Bob Oxygen. <laughs> Joe Trancini, who's a hugely talented comedy actor and he has like one line in it and his, the entire joke is he has psoriasis. Okay. <laughs> the cast is so much better than this. Okay, I hate you, as we said, all on all four or on uh, double bills from the 13th of October. Whenever they do double bills, these channels, it does make me think we just want to get rid of this. It does make me wonder why they do it like that. They they could commission it to be 45 minutes and then have ads and 
but they commission a half-hour show and then they're in double bills. Well, they are doing that with their new drama Somewhere Boy as well, Luke. Did you know that? Is that... No, I didn't. Is that half-hour as well? I didn't realise that. They're doing that half-hour over four nights. That could either be a I hate you situation or a bear situation, and I'm hoping it's going to be leaning more toward the bear side of things. That is the podcast this week. Check out all that is important in the world of TV by visiting thecustictv.com. Um, Dawn has a shipyard podcast, the Shipyard UST, where they talk about will they, won't they's two excruciating degrees that Dawn is still having to edit around. Uh, okay. Where can people find that? You can find that at the Shipyard UST on Twitter and on YouTube and uh, on Spotify and any other platform. Find me on John Blaine on Twitter. Yes, and as always, if you'd like to join us and add your voice to this TV obsessive podcast, you can either get in touch with me on Twitter at Luke Custard TV, or you can uh, email us through our email address, Custard TV Reviews with an S at the end at gmail.com. You can also seek us out on all your podcast apps. And if we could ask, could you please rate and review us? So that more people know please. that we exist and we're here. Pretty please. Listen to that. And you, can, you can ask listen. for it on your smart speaker as well. You can ask yes, I've done TV that. Stuff. It's yep. very weird to be laying in bed in the dark and listen to your own voice. I only did it the once. I won't be doing it again. But if you're not me and you want to do it, ask your smart speaker to play the Custard TV podcast. Thank you very much, Dawn, for doing this at such short notice. You're welcome. Good luck on your performance. Um, I will be thinking about it constantly and uh, I'll look forward to seeing it on social media should you post it that is it for another week take care everybody bye bye rate and review us wherever you find us search The Custard TV on YouTube iTunes and Facebook okay round two name something that's not boring laundry Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.